This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your Inglewood Company's Founder Series. I am Maddie Guest and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sophie Dicker. We had such incredible feedback last week on our first founder, Zara. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and this week, we are speaking to the beautiful Natasia Nicolau, who is the founder of Conserving Beauty, you may have seen in Mecca. Yes, this one. Oh. Makes my heart happy. If you're into sustainability and if you're into wanting to incorporate more sustainable products into your routine, it is a mix between sustainability and beauty. And she's so passionate about what she does. So it's just like, it gives you a lot of energy. It's great. Yeah. She's a very impressive human. You can just tell by the way she speaks and the stories that she tells. So looking forward to sharing this one with you guys. Enjoy. What's your drink of choice? I feel like I have to say an agroni. Yes, just because. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, not far from. I love a Campari spritz. Yum. Oh. A Campari spritz is better than an Aperol spritz. Mm, if you've not had a Campari spritz, get on it. You have look like you one. need one. Yeah. Oh, I should have. <laughs> you just looked at me with it's curious eyes. I should have. I should have. I should have brought the drinks, guys. It's a little more bitter, and it's still really bitter, refreshing, though. Delicious. I like it. That's definitely one of my drinks as well. Oh, there you go. I feel like Barefoot Investor, just because that was my very first big girl book, past my Harry Potter stage. (laughs) And then I would say Shoe Dog. Have you guys read Shoe Dog? I have. It's a goodie. I just feel like that was the first kind of entrepreneurial, proper startup founder book. So I'll always remember it. Go back. Quick synopsis. It's basically the founder of Nike, the co-founder, and it goes through the entire process, the struggle. They were originally called a different name. Really? And oh, so many things. They almost went bankrupt. Mm. It was a whole, you would actually find it fascinating, a whole <laughs> dilemma for funding. And then I guess he always came back to like mission, purpose, his big why, and I really resonate with that because – I think a lot of people glamorize startups and starting mm. a business and everyone's like, go you, you're killing it. And I'm like, I've only shown you the highlights. Yeah. You don't know my 100 problems that I'm dealing with on a daily. Yeah. So I just feel like you kept it real. Yeah, they it's also, book. what do they say? Like the business was built overnight, but you don't actually see the 20 years of like oh, the struggle yeah. when oh, it becomes popular. 20 year overnight success. Yeah, yeah touch up. Go. Great example. And anyway. do you have an Instagram or TikTok account or social media account that you just like love and you feel like should be shared with the world? I do. Conserving beauty. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, I love, 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 love Earthrise Studio. Jack Harris and Alice Eddy, if you don't know them, that's okay. They are UK based. They're kind of like climate storytellers, activists, entrepreneurs. They've got their own business where they kind of film 
and create stories around climate, but they do it in such an uplifting, positive, educational way, which I find really empowering and I really like their take on sustainability. It's not so daunting and you can Mm. kind of be part of the solution, which is basically what we're trying to do as well. So highly recommend Earth Rise Studio, Jack Harry's El City. Okay. Yes. We'll all three. To, all three. We'll have to check that one out. Check them out. So, when you sip your <laughs> Campari spritz. <laughs> Love it. Can't wait. Tars, you founded Conserving Beauty in 2021. Is that? Yeah. Technically. Oh, technically. Ish. Yeah. Like we launched in 2020. It was yes. actually like 2005. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah thinking yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. 20 exactly. year overnight success. <laughs> no, I'm, not, um, I'm definitely not. So a lot of people will be wondering you know, you have created a brand that has really started to change the way that the entire beauty industry is sort of goes about business. Thank you. So how would you describe for people who maybe haven't had the pleasure of yes. coming across Conserving Beauty yet, how would you describe it in your own words? Ah, it's a really good question. Someone asked me this today and I was like, I, when I gave my answer, they kind of looked at me a bit perplexed, but <laughs> I feel like I describe Conserving Beauty very much half an impact business, half a beauty brand, because we're so rooted in sustainability and it's why we've got, you know, impact investors and we invest a lot in water conservation, carbon sequestration, and then our waste um, mitigation, which is our fabric technology. So we're very much involved in that. But of course, on the flip side, we want to create great products that work, that they're fun, that they're priced well, that you can buy on the shelves at Mecca and you still feel like you've got that, you know, product that makes you feel good and helps your skin. So I feel like we're kind of a bit of both. So cool. Yeah, I should have given you a two sentence. That was a, <laughs> no, that was a paragraph. No, not at all. No, I feel like all you need to do is go onto your Instagram and look Would at you? what your products are. Yeah, I feel you like you have great video content to get, it, get a bit of a gist for That's what you That's a do. good compliment to my team. <laughs> but you Shout said out that, to you, Jono. You said that you you launched the business in 2021, but obviously you started before that. What was like, you know, your first step of thinking about starting a business and what was kind of the path to launching the business? I definitely did not wake up one day going, I'm going to start a beauty brand. Mm. I always wanted to have my own business. I kind of come from, you know, immigrant parents who didn't speak English as their first language. They had their own businesses, very entrepreneurial, very much hustlers. And they sacrificed so much for my sisters and I to have, you know, a wonderful education and to kind of create, you know, an amazing career. And so as somebody that's always worked since I was like illegal underage, 13, (laughs) washing dishes, um, I was always like, I'm going to do something one day. And then when I studied science at university and majored in biochemistry, I always loved product and product development. And my first kind of job after leaving university, like graduating, not Um, was in supply chain, ethical sourcing, product development at a beauty and wellness company. And that was when I fell in love with product development, creating a product that meant um, it had a traceable and transparent supply chain. And then so pretty much since then, which would have been about eight years ago, I was plotting. I was like plotting how to make a product that could be equally great for our skin and the planet and it had like six awful iterations before (laughs) I landed on conserving beauty. When you say iterations though, like, are you like mapping out oh, what yeah. your products look like? I'm like talking what's like, going to be in them? Yeah, I'm talking like, like business plans. At one point I was going to dive into a completely different area of beauty. Tragic, thank God I didn't. I was like lab sampling. Oh, yeah. like I was, was going to say you literally in a lab making products. Yeah, or? but like not like I don't, I don't have 
you know, a formal lab. Yeah. I use that contract manufacturer. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't build one in the. Yes, but like I, I, I'll, I'll draft formula like, yeah. on, on paper. And like source ingredients and then go to like a manufacturer and go, can you make this? I remember reading that you, did you move into sort of a private equity type role yes. in between? Yeah. Yes. You're going to make me sound like I'm a finance girl. <laughs> I am not. I, that was such a random time of my life. So I worked at Swiss, yeah. which if you guys, those who don't know, was the number one vitamin brand at the time and they launched skincare and beauty. And so I worked on both the beauty products and the, um, the ingestible products and they had a wonderful sale. They sold to a Chinese business and the founding family who were the most beautiful people they were the majority shareholders and, you know, they had a wonderful benefit from the exit and they took a period of time off and then decided to invest some of that money into backing the next wave of like entrepreneurs in the beauty and wellness space. And so I was lucky enough to go with them. So I left Swiss. I was one of five to go with them to set up wow. their fund, but not in a finance capacity. You're probably like, why would they want you? I was very much on the... That um, is not what I was thinking. You were probably thinking record. it's okay. I was... <laughs> I was thinking the same thing at the time. And I remember like so me? me. Yeah, That's me, you guys, finance. <laughs> Come on, I'm an ops girl. Um, but they basically were like every startup are pretty much mainly marketers, great mm. storytellers, visionaries, mm. nothing wrong with that. Of course, awesome, you need that. Um, but nobody would ever really have the supply chain side down and the finance side down. And so their kind of original investment mandate was we'll provide growth capital to these businesses, but we'll also provide our expertise. And primarily we can offer a lot of like point of difference by giving you guys operational and supply chain help and product development and finance. So I was the one that was helping on the operations product development side. So um, I imagine that gave you a lot of great exposure to small businesses who were trying to build a product. Like you must've been able to learn oh, so much I was from that. so naive before then. What I thought it meant running a business, I had no idea. It is very different when you're at a business with like 50 people that grows to 200, which was me at Swiss yeah. versus like you're dealing with startups of like five people and I would do secondments so like little projects within these businesses and I would go in and help them fix their supply chain issues we would do their product development and then I would foray into so many different areas and so doing that I was like full under the hood obsessed people that were hustling and making it and that had a good idea and a good vision so if I didn't do that I did that for about five years if I didn't yeah. do that there's no way I'd be doing what I'm doing now. So from your time within this fund and kind mm. of working through the startups, you realised that you kind of wanted to start your own business or you did I already knew. You already knew. I already knew, which is why I took the job. But this gave you the tools to That's kind right. of start. So then was there a moment of like, okay, I feel like I'm ready for this. Like what was that first step straight Definitely. out of straight out of going from the private equity role? I had this weird period. It was like right before COVID, start, end of 2019, start of 2020, where I was excelling in my career. That sounds so wanky. I don't mean it like that. <laughs> no, I, what I mean is that. I was doing well. I was earning you know, a good great. salary, can't complain. I was learning, thriving. The people I worked with were great. Like I genuinely loved the, the people I was around. And so I had this moment where I was like, well, hang on, do I really want to start my own business yeah. and forego and leave my like good salary, stable. comfort, stable yeah. income. Mm. Um, great people, you're great learning. People. I couldn't have complained. I actually really liked my job yeah. and loved everything about it. But I just had this like... 
I don't even know what the word is like this, like feeling of like, I just want to do something. I want to create something better. And I think it took one person pitch to us. Yeah. And they were pitching something thinking that it was like sustainability focused. And I just remember sitting there being like, okay, well, let me ask you a bunch of questions about your supply chain. And I did. They didn't have any of the answers. They didn't even know where their ingredients were coming from. They didn't know where they were manufacturing. They didn't have any traceability. And all I kept thinking was, this is laughable. You think that you're having an impact. You don't even know where anything comes from, how it's transported here, who's making them, where are the relationships. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, oh, there's so much greenwashing in this industry and people really don't understand what it means to create a product that has an an integral supply chain and it really means way more than having, you know, recyclable or compostable packaging. And I had that moment I was like, you know what? An ops person. I got to do this. I got to do this. I'm the one. I might not be the one, but I hope I'm the one. (laughs) Can you hit us with some hard facts that we should know about, Mm -hmm. you know, your basic skincare, makeup, you know, how much water is in there? What's what's the deal? Let's let's talk the numbers. (laughs) So, I mean, every, not every, majority of skincare products in market have about, you know, 70 to 80% water within the formulation. And the water's in there mostly as like a solvent, meaning like it dilutes majority of the product, or you might need water in there to create a you know, a certain consistency, but it's not necessarily in there to give you the hydration or it's not mm. in there to give you a direct benefit, right? So, and we all knew this. And I remember working within businesses or giving recommendations. The first thing when businesses try to like save costs or like cost cutting in supply chain is they'll just like More up water. the water, give a sprinkle of the good stuff and they're like clean, green, lean on the label. And you're like, hang on, what? Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And they'll say like Kakadu plum and whatever. And it's like 0.00001% of Kakadu plum. And they're just having it there for the marketing claim. And it's not actually going to do anything. Plus that's just in the product. Then there's thousands of litres of water that are needed to be used throughout the entire supply chain to create the product. Because basically every single thing that we do and make has a huge water footprint. So our ingredients require water to harvest, to extract, to manufacture, to process, transport, producing packaging, like legitimately every single stage of the supply chain uses so much water. And I just kept thinking, why is nobody talking about water within Mm. the beauty industry? Why is nobody talking about water conservation, especially since we live in a global water action decade declared by the UN? We I think by 2025, two-thirds of the global population are living in a water-distressed environment. Four out of ten people don't have access to clean drinking water. Australia faces so many droughts. Like Mm. Water is going to continue to be a huge problem because our populations are increasing, the demand for water is increasing, but there's only just a finite amount of water Mm. available. And so that was like, hello, obviously, if you're going to have an impact, let's, let's make sure that we're conserving water. And so that was kind of the start... And then I was like, well, I can create products that don't have water in them as a first step. And these products can be uber amazing for our skin, but also I can partner up with non-for-profits and research partners and map my supply chain and actually measure our water footprint Mm. and make steps to make sure we are reducing it and make sure it's as minimal as possible, which is what we've done. So I would love to get into that because when you're, Please. you said before you, the Instagram account that you recommended is like positive yes. like thing, but then when we talk about it negatively. I know, like, that sounded a bit it, doomsday. No, Apologies. it's not that it's doomsday. It just sounds so overwhelming. Yes. And so I want to know about this, the supply chain and the steps and how do you actually, as a company, reduce your water intake along all those 
all those different processes because like you must be totally. working with lots of suppliers and freight companies and like what does that look like? It's literally a choice along every single point. So for example, where do I source my ingredients from? Am I taking an ingredient from where it's natively grown? Am I taking it from a country that's facing higher water scarcity than others? That matters for starters. The farm gates, do we have irrigation systems in in the farms to be able to like recycle water properly? How much water are we using to extract the ingredients? Am I choosing, you know, sunflower oil versus a different type of oil as the base because one uses more water than the other? Like those types of questions. And then you pair it back to go, okay, the more complex my supply chain, Mm. the more water I'm going to use and the more energy I'm going to use because I have to transport everything here. So localising your supply chain as much as possible reduces that heavy impact. So like we we manufacture as much as we can here. We manufacture all of our products here, but we also manufacture majority of our packaging here. We try and source ingredients here, but um, for other reasons, I don't source Australian native extracts. That's a whole nother story, but <laughs> I won't go on another tangent, I promise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, do. it's those types of questions. I chose glass versus recycled plastic, A, because it's infinitely recyclable, but B, it actually uses less water in the production to recycle the PET. Like it's questions like that basically the entire supply chain that we look at. And then, of course, one of the biggest factors is the down the drain impact, which is the impact to our waterway after you use a product. Mm. So a really good example is our wipes and our sheet masks Mm. and people flush wipes down the toilet, like just standard wipes in Australia, baby wipes, conventional wipes, whatnot, that causes a huge surge blockage problem. It causes microplastics leaked into our waterways, which then gets into our seas. Like that is a huge issue, even microbeads and other um, ingredients that might be terrible to push down the drain. So your drown the drain impact also contributes to your water footprint because you're wasting more water. And for those who don't know, you have developed wipes and masks that dissolve in water. I know. It's a bit ironic, isn't it? So cool. Very cool. Should have brought you some. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we're we're very proud of our of our wipes and our um, sheet masks. We're really proud that, A, it's pretty cool whenever innovation comes from Australia, just being an Australian myself and Mm. um, having an Australian business. So we're very proud of our fabric. We partnered up with a startup in the UK who had actually formulated the fabric um, and we have the fabric exclusively for the beauty and personal care industry globally, which is exciting. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because that's an amazing partnership to have. It, It was a win. It was a good win. And you know what? The people who we partnered with, they're amazing. They are good people who are in it for the right reasons and actually care. Like, you know, they could have gone to one of the big beauty conglomerates who they were already I was going to say they were to. negotiating with them at the time. Yeah, when they were. Yeah. And they made the decision based on ethics and values and having purpose and we were both in it for the right reason. And I think so much of that is so important when you're trying to make choices that are rooted in impact and mm. you know I feel like it's it's more expensive to do what we're doing right we make very small margin yeah. on our wipes our wipes are a really good example we make a tiny margin on our wipes realistically if I was in any other business we'd be charging double what we charge but that would be astronomical and how can I on on push that cost onto the consumer because accessibility is so important yeah so you know it when you're making these choices throughout your supply chain for being ethical, 
you really need to have partners, suppliers, investors, etc., involved that care about the same things you do because otherwise everybody's just in it for the cash grab, the margin win, and that's not why I'm doing what I'm doing. I was listening to your podcast that you guys Which have just one? come out with. Ah, Normalize Not Knowing. Normalize Not Knowing. And you were saying... Love that you listened to that. that. Thank you. It was great. Your first episode <laughs> was great. I'm excited for the second one because hey. I, everything that was said I resonated with a lot about sustainability. But you were saying that something like on average, if you're buying a sustainable product, like, well, making it, it's 10 times the cost. It so is. you're happy to share the IP. So happy to. The stuff you're doing, but then someone will grab it and be like, well, that's going to be too expensive. Yep. You're a business. How can you remain profitable if you do have to, you know, bear those higher costs and you're not passing on to the consumer? I mean, absolutely. Well, firstly, I think that's why I chose down to go the road of having impact ones because yeah. Yeah. they they legitimately do care and we track and measure our water savings, our carbon savings and our waste prevention on our, like, on our P&L balance sheets. So yeah. they actually care. So they're not in it to make as much margin as basically like any other beauty product that would be on shelves. That's the first thing. So for anyone that doesn't know, can you explain yes. what an impact fund yes. is and how it uses in your business? Yeah. Good one. <laughs> uh, so there are lots of ways to get funding and I'm sure we'll get on to that topic. But And there are a lot of different types of investors. And one type of investor is an impact investor. So these are funds that basically only invest in businesses that have a positive impact on ESG or the planet. So it could be um, conserving beauty, for example, because we save water, carbon and waste in the process of creating our products. It could be a business like Who Gives a Crap, which is the toilet paper, who they invest in um, creating uh, toilets for people that don't have them. It could be a mental health app to support people um, to make sure that they have, you know, their own their own health sorted. Like there are so many, there are so many things. And so for me, it made complete sense to approach impact funds because I just felt like the type of business that I'm running would be far more desirable to somebody like them versus say a consumer goods fund who only care about X margin or X EBITDA growth or whatever. Yeah. So that was why. And we've yeah. got two. We're very actually the first beauty brand globally to have. Which is interesting because I also think like in we've seen in the past we've spoken a lot about sustainability on our podcast and investing in sustainable um, companies. And I feel like, you know, the people that are concerned with the EBITDA margins or whatever else, like we're gonna see such a prolific like growth in the sustainable space. Absolutely. So it's it's funny that you say like, oh, it's not necessarily the normal funds because I'm they're all jumping on board. They will now. all. And yeah. You know what? That's actually such a good point. One of my board members who is brilliant, she is just like one of those freakishly smart people that you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about half the time. And I just sit there <laughs> and write notes and Google it later. Anyway, she once said to me when I told her my whole idea, she was like, eventually you'll be able to create a value layer in your balance sheet because, for example, you guys plant trees for every time somebody purchases a product and that creates a carbon token because you're sequestering oh. carbon and that actually has a value to it. And same for water, mm. eventually. same like for your carbon credits. Kind of, <laughs> kind of, in a weird way. Um, so you, I was like, yeah, actually you're right. And so I think you're spot on. Over time, I think everybody's going to be tracking and measuring these things mm. and the businesses that are rooted in impact will probably end out 
on top. But also, like, how much money do you really need? Yeah. Like, that. that come, I come back to that all the time. Mm, it's like, yeah. how much money do you really need and how greedy can you get? We ask this to each other. Like, do what's, you? We did a podcast episode of, like, what's, what's a lot of money? Yeah, like, yeah what, what is considered you, a lot of money? It was such a hard question to answer because yeah. I think it would obviously vary for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, what you value in life and the things that you do throughout your day. Yeah. Like, I've taken a pay cut to do what I'm doing. Yeah. And I couldn't care less. I would rather do what I'm doing than earn that extra, you know, mm. tens of thousands of dollars to be stuck in my previous job. So, you know, everyone makes their own decisions based yeah. on what motivates them. And I'm not necessarily motivated by just the financial gain of ultimately hoping I make it to hopefully, you know, create wealth. Well, but you're in Mecca, so yeah. you've already made it in our eyes. Oh, guys, let's <laughs> You're too kind. That. You're too kind. <laughs> I know, like 12, 12 year old me would be screaming. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so you, your first products came to market only just over a year ago. Yeah. You're already in Mecca. How did that process come about? Were there any challenges? Oh. Shed the light. Oh yeah. I remember, I mean, who doesn't dream of having, if you're, if you're going to create half a beauty business, of course, it's a goal. Oh, you, yeah. of course, you want to be at Mecca. It's I mean, pinnacle. absolutely. And for me, it was so important to have them, not just for the prestige, but because they invest so much into training. And Joe, in particular, has really done such a wonderful job of creating that like experience when you go into store where they they know everything. They know everything. They can recommend everything. And my brand and the type of products that we sell need education. Right? You need yeah. to hear more about the story and like what we're trying to do. So for me, it was like, it was a bit of Mecca on no one. Yeah. That sounds ridiculous, but that's how I felt. And so I remember I was telling one of my, one of my mentors at the time, my idea, I had this on paper, I had this deck. I was so excited to meet with him to show him what I was thinking. And I remember he said to me, Tars, come on, no one cares about sustainability. It's not a purchase driver. It's a nice to have, not a must have. And that type of thing will never resonate with the retailer. Like wow. Mecca. And he like laughed at me that I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get into Mecca. Well, who's laughing? Who is laughing now? <laughs> Do you know what? Thank God he said that to me because I cried for like five minutes. I actually did. I remember going back to my car, cried. And I was like, can I, I like laughed at myself. I'm like, can you get a grip? If I want to go see if this product can be at Mecca, how about I don't listen to him mm. who doesn't even buy beauty products so and true. I go and see mm. if I can get into Mecca myself. So I decided to find a contact, take my lab samples and my crappy business presentation. This was like a year before we launched, by the way, a full year before we launched. Yeah, wow. At that time, all I had was a business plan and a name, which was a really average name, not conserving beauty. <laughs> I had lab samples. I hadn't even locked my fabric technology. We were in discussions, but that was not locked. Fake it till you make it. Very much so. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to get a meeting and I just want to see what they think. I just want them to say to me, this it might not be now, but you're on the right track and come back to us in 12 months when you've got traction or whatever they were going to say. And I was very lucky to meet someone very special. I won't say her name. And from the very first meeting, she was like, I love your story. I love your mission. And she said something like, now is the time for a brand like yours. Ugh. And she goes, my team would love to help you on the journey. And from that point, they were like incredible. I had to give, I had to make like extra lab samples because I hadn't 
done my actual production run. I was so going to say, so you're yes. in Mecca before you even had products. I, I literally, like, isn't that ridiculous? Like, it's amazing anyway, though. So they, yeah, aim high, exactly. And they tried my product for three months. I had to, I think I had to like have like 30 people try the product because they go, awesome story, cool concept. Yeah, we think there's a space for it. But are our skincare experts actually going to like the product? Does it actually work? Yeah. So then they tried it for three months. And then after that, we kind of worked on the commercials, got it done, signed the deal before I even launched the business. Incredible. Thank you. Was so excited. You know what I really love about that story is that like, I think when you are thinking about starting a side hustle or a business, it's kind of like, I don't know where to start, but really like it can just be an, a concept yeah, and an email. It doesn't have to be like, perfect. I think can, that's my big thing. Maddie and I always like write random emails into yeah. email addresses and hope that it just gets sent hope to the right sticks. person. <laughs> and like sometimes that's we what do happens. that. Yeah. I still do that with some buyers. There is no shame in doing that. You Listen. just make up the emails. If oh, they bounce, they'll bounce back. I do that. I'll be like, I'll be <laughs> like, you know, at. Natasha at Conservative. Yeah, cool. It's stuck. Um, but I think that's how we got you. No. <laughs> nice. Um, I think being resourceful is the only way you're going to make it. Yeah. Having a business. And having no shame. No shame. You've got you've to ask. And you don't ask, you don't get. And if you don't try, then you'll never know. So instead of me sitting there trying to craft the perfect presentation, I made way more of an impact going in with samples, telling my story. I didn't even put the deck up. Thank God I didn't. That probably would have, they probably would have been like, <laughs> see you later. No creative They would have been skills. like, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned some things along my way because I've had to. I now would consider myself a Canva pro, but before tragic. Um, but yeah, Mecca have been an incredible partner. And then I remember we signed the contract and I was like, surprise, look, I've got these fabric and dissolvable wipes. And that was totally New. the Not icing it. on the cake. Yeah. 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 Oh, amazing. Yeah. How many people are in your team now? There are five of us, including myself. Wow. Which, which I think is a lot. I'm like, it's this was lot. just yeah. me for years. It was, I was a solo act with working my full-time other job to pay for my life. And I was doing this morning, nights, weekends, mm. obsessed. What was your first hire? Graphic and creative design. Are you okay. shocked? <laughs> I had enough looking at my crappy decks. Um, he, Jono, who is still with me. Yeah. Shout out to Jono. He was my first hire. I stumbled on his talent, like genuinely stumbled on him. I didn't realise that people like him existed that do both graphic design, videography and photography. And so we shoot everything in-house. Every every asset you see, every model picture, that's that's Jono. Any EDM you get, that's Jono. Um, he's awesome. I'm so, so grateful to have someone like him. So he was my first hire. Because I was like, I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. I've always been a believer in hiring for skills I don't have. Yes. Which is probably why my entire team are marketers. <laughs> we can probably tell. Yes. What was the experience like and before you brought someone on and what was mm. sort of the tipping point of, okay, it's time. I think we often talk about how it's, it can be a little bit of an isolating experience. I think when you're starting a business, because isolating, try lonely. Yeah. Scary. Because exactly. you're on your own and oh, people yeah. don't really understand what you are <sighs> going through. So what was, what was that like? And then what was the point where it was you decided, okay, now's the time to bring someone else on. Nobody takes you seriously as well. Mm. Like I remember I remember when you meet people and you're like, they're like, oh, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh, I run a, you know, a, a beauty business. And they'll be like, oh, cool. So have you heard of this? They'll be like, oh, you know, have you thought about, you know, selling uh. to, you know, Priceline or something? And I'm like, guys, I'm in Mecca. And then they're like, oh, they can't. Uh-huh. Yeah, they don't. I think everyone just, I don't know, thinks. Little beauty brand. Yeah, little beauty brand. <laughs> Good luck making it. I... Kept my full-time job because 
financially I had to. And so I wasn't paying myself. I was basically putting any money that I had into paying for Jono or other things we needed, whether that be registering the business or getting samples made or whatever it was at the time, very scrappily done. And so for me, it was a big deal to quit my job. And I was completely terrified. And you can tell everyone in your family and all your friends, you know, I'm starting a business and they'll be like, awesome, but nobody gets it Mm. unless they're in the thick of it and the day to day. I'm very lucky that I've got really smart people around me that push me to be better and that have pushed me to think of things that I probably didn't think of before. But I transitioned through my job. I had a full-time job and I basically dropped down four days, three days, two days, no days. I quit just after I signed the Mecca contract before I did my proper seed raise, which is so risky thinking about it right now. But I was I was kind of at this point really? where I was like, I'm just, I've just launched online. It was November 26, 2011. And I just quit my job because I was so exhausted. I was sick of doing seven days a week, 5am till midnight. I really kind of had enough. And I just, not enough of the business, but enough of the juggle. And I felt like I couldn't do either well. And if I was going to do one or the other, work it out. And so I quit my job on a whim I was like, I've signed Mecca. Surely that's, surely I'll <laughs> that's make enough. it. I was like, you know, surely I'll make it, which is such wishful thinking because also nobody talks about like the sell through. It's not just about the sell in, it's about the sell through. But anyway, it's not a story. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to raise a seed raise and get financial help because I can't do it on my own. And I think there's something really empowering working out that it's okay to ask for help. Mm. And I need to bring people around me that have skills that I don't have to make this to make this happen and I'm I'm good with that. And so I at the at the time I was just paying Jono basically and then I did a seed raise. So I quit my job, had no job for like a few months as in no income. And then did a seed raise quite quickly. I want to say it took us about 2 months, which is quick because most mm. people at the time were like if you're raising capital, it really takes Three to six months. And are you just emailing people? Are you no. meeting with them? How did you go about that? Again, I did actually I should backstep. I did a course in 2021 called Springboard SBE. And it's a wonderful initiative. It basically exists to help women raise capital because only two percent of venture capital mm. funding globally goes to female founders, which is I think it just speaks for itself. I don't even need to make a comment on that. If you look at the number of people that are under the age of 30, which was myself, laughable. If you then think about, you know, being in the beauty industry and uh, you would probably get zero people. Mm. So I did this course and it was phenomenal. I got in through the life science segment because I had a science degree and what we were doing, we had our own IP. And so that went for like, I want to say 10 weeks. I was doing it part-time while I was working full-time. And so through that process, I learned what a data room is, what an (laughs) IM is. Are you guys laughing at me? We're laughing because we both work. I'm sweating thinking about it. I'm literally (laughs) sweating thinking (laughs) about it. I'm taking my jacket off. We work in M&A and so data room and IM are just words that we hear. I used to see IMs being at the the fund, but I never really thought about doing my own, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty fun to create, but they're just... Oh, yes. So much fun, guys, doing your own financial model, creating your own deck. 
So much fun. And you, sorry, producer <laughs> Sasha's looking at me like, what the hell is yeah, an IM? She's like, these girls are weird. Yeah, it's an information memorandum and it pretty much is just like everything about your business. Business yeah. overview, Look at me, financial I'm breaking overview. Breaking hives thinking about it. <laughs> it's like your pitch. Overview. It's yeah. a pitch yeah. deck. Yeah. yeah. And people will basically flick through in two seconds and decide if they even want to meet with you or not. Yeah, and think about all the people who put so much hard work. So many hours, and right? Those. And I'm not a finance person, so that... That course was invaluable to me. And then basically at the end of it, they teach you how to pitch. And it was such an interesting thing to go through because you're paired with mentors and people who will say, stop apologising. You're only saying this because you're a woman. Or, you know, lead with this, don't lead with this. And so that really helped me and kind of got me into the right mindset and realised that anyone that's starting a business that's at early stage that wants funding, it is less about your idea and it is more about you as the founder Mm. because that is what they're putting the money into. They are backing you. Yes, they have to like your idea. Yes, they have to see that there's a space for it and that they're, you know, you're creating a point of difference, but really they have to back you as a person and go, okay, you're going to get it done. And so the minute I kind of worked that out, I was like, right, I need to convince people that I will stop at nothing. I will make (laughs) this happen and I will promise you I will make it happen. And so I convinced one of the chairmen of SBE. I was like, please please come onto my board. Please help me. Her name is Carrie Lee Sinclair. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant human. One of the smartest people I've ever met. That was the person I was referencing before. And so she's the chair of the program. And so I was very lucky to get her as... One of my first Gosh, board that's members. That's like star student. Like, yeah, <laughs> you such do this a, course and then dog. you get the. I know. I'm like, yeah, so yeah. good. And so that was the first win. And so she was basically like, "Go and create your IM. Go and create your data room. Go and work it out and set it up. Then come back to me and let's create a target list and let's work out how much money you actually need." And then we'll go from there. And so I did the model. I was googling, YouTubing asking people for favours, asking the CFO, my old business, can you look at this, check this, <laughs> as anyone would do. Yeah. I was Googling, like, what what should a data room look like? Where should I hold it on? Docsend, highly recommend. Anyway, <laughs> um, and so I basically did that. I got COVID during that time oh. and I just quit my job and I'm like, oh, shit, here I am, sick, no income anymore, thinking I can raise money. Am I crazy? Probably. And so did that. That took me like a month, I would say, full time. Yeah. Just a lot of work. It's a lot. And then I made a one pager, like investment summary. And so then I sat down with Kerry Lee and she was like, who do you want on your cap table? Who do you want around you as investors? And I basically was like, I really want an impact fund because A, I think they could help. B, I think my business will be attractive to them. And C, I really think it's going to add some legitimacy Mm. to anybody that would ask about our claims and to, you know, we're not greenwashing in any way. And so she was like, yep, you're not crazy. Here are all the impact funds in Australia. And then she was lucky enough to loosely know two of them. So she introduced me. Um, And then the fund that I worked at, Foundry, which is now called ERA, they came on the party. Thank God they backed me. I mean, I guess they knew me. <laughs> they knew me. They were like, all right, she's going to annoy us. <laughs> Throw her bone. Throw her bone. They are brilliant people who are very, very smart. So I'm very lucky to have them. Um, so they came on and I've got five investors, by the way. Two impact funds, consumer fund, which is Foundry slash Era. I have an individual who was the ex-VP at Afterpay, 
very, mm. very smart woman. And then I have a government fund that back women in uh, science and technology called the Alice Anderson Fund, which is awesome. And I was in their first cohort, which is really cool. So you also have an all female board. Yes. Can you just give us some quick name drops? Because I know that it's a pretty impressive lineup. Okay, there's myself. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's no name drop. Um, yeah, okay. So that, you know what? That's a really interesting thing that you brought up too. With, I decided, I wasn't necessarily like, let me go have an all female board. It kind of just happened. Yeah. And then I realised and I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my nails out for a bit longer because I, I like to surround myself with really strong entrepreneurial women. And so when I was crafting my board, Fed was number one. She's our chairman. She is my mentor. She is my life coach. Coach, <laughs> literally. Like she talks to me off a ledge my most days. My psychologist. She's probably that too. She's my yeah, friend. Right, yes. She's my aunt. So we're related. Um, and I've worked with her for almost my entire career. And I feel like she's played a huge part into shaping me into being able to do this and gives me the confidence. The days where I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm the worst founder. I suck at this. I've done this wrong. She's the one that reminds me, you've got this and we believe in you, which is nice. You need to hear it sometimes. Mm. Um, so she's my very first. She's also an investor. She also works for the fund. Anyway, uh, Elle McPherson, who I worked with for many, many years at Welco. I was kind of her right hand for almost, I want to say like two or three years. We got to really know each other well because that that business went through a period where they had a really small team and so they needed extra help. And so I jumped in and you really get to know someone when you, you know, you work on everything with them and you travel with them. And so because she taught me so much about branding and retailers and being meticulous on detail and it's the little things that have a huge impact. I really was hoping she would say yes. Honestly, I asked her on a whim. I didn't actually think she would because every board she sat on, she is either the face of the brand or she's a founder. And so a bit of a win. School. It's who you know. It's your networks. Well, she was. She goes to me, you know what, I know you're going to get it done I believe in you and yeah. I think that's really exciting. And it speaks a lot that she was proud of me to transition through working for her business through to starting my mm. own because not a lot of people are like that. I just got goosebumps. Oh, <laughs> I'm still sweating from the IM talk. <laughs> I'm so hot. Maddie's got, sweating. Maddie's got the shivers in my like, But, you know, it's, it's true because you can work for so many people and... And if, if you're like, oh, I'm leaving to do my own thing, a lot of people are funny. Yeah. And so mm. the fact that she was like, I'm so proud of you and I believe in you and I want to support you and I'll be on your board and give you advice. Stuff. I mean, what what can I even say? I'm so honoured and so lucky. So it's a real privilege. Um, and then I've got Kerry Lee, who I mentioned before, the ultimate smarty pants, who is the chair of SBE. And she is like my finance. She helped me raise. She always has good ideas around uh, commercializing things and thinking about how, how I can kind of create what we're calling like a sustainability token within my balance sheet. Mm. Very smart woman. Um, asked her on a whim too, thinking she would say no, but Lesson I'm taking, just ask people. Yeah, just ask, guys. Just <laughs> ask people. Um, and then I've got another woman called Tracy Maddock. She is in the UK. She's an Oxford fellow. 
uh, and she damn <laughs> yeah exactly and she's so chic and so fabulous whenever I'm in her presence I'm like oh gosh I should have brushed my hair a bit better um, but she was kind of like a digital marketing guru she worked with David and Victoria Beckham for like 12 years and yeah exactly she works with Barbara Sturm um, lots of other beauty brands and she's just got her finger on the pulse wow. and yeah and thinks about that side of the business she's even running a project with at Oxford around how social media impacts young people and young women. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I would love to see the results of that. Yeah, I think they're still in the process. Yeah. But, Incredible. I mean, seriously, come on. So cool. So cool. So cool. So, yeah, I mean, solid board. <laughs> You've done well. <laughs> I'm the odd one out at every meeting. Oh, please. <laughs> Stop. This is, you keep, you, you said that in your pitch thing, you learned how to bring know, yourself up and then you worst. keep bringing yourself down. I'm, I'm the worst. I know. We all do this. It's imposter syndrome. You can't help it. No. Well, no. I feel like I could speak to you about your business all day, honestly, because it's just such a cool mission. Guys, I want to ask you a hundred questions about the podcast. <laughs> and I'm, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till the end. <laughs> but... I guess just on a more personal level and your mission is sustainability. A lot of our listeners resonate with that. I mean, when we ask for topics, the number one thing is how do I invest sustainably? We really really do think you can make an impact by investing your money in companies that do sustainable things. Absolutely. What's some day-to-day personal things you would do to live more sustainably? Mm. Some tips and tricks that people could take on. I think about like in my personal life, I think about like short term, medium term, long term goals when it comes to sustainability, because it's very much a journey. It's not like a quick fix and there's no such thing as as perfection in this space. It's all about making choices that you can improve and feel better on. And so like quick wins, like little things I do every day without fail, I would never not do them. I wash all of my clothes in cold water because the highest water footprint in your home comes from heating water, in particular if you're washing clothes, the dishwasher, leaky taps, those types of things are what basically heighten your water bill. So great way to cut costs on your water bill mm, slash save water. That's a really good one. I didn't wash know all your that. Clothes in yeah, cold. And your clothes are better for it anyway, honestly. Hot water, yeah, I was going like, to say, we already do it because my partner's yeah. crazy and he's like, delicate cold. <laughs> yes, delicate cold. We only do 30-minute cold cycles. I will only load, like, run my dishwasher if it's 100% full. Yeah. And fun fact, it's actually more um, – it's you save more water if you run a full load on a dishwasher rather than hand wash every item. So you're actually yeah. better off loading the sink with dishes. I know my partner loves <laughs> Thank this God. one, Thank and God. then waiting and doing. Excuse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like I, t- I have two minute showers. Um, of course, we choose products in our home that we feel we feel good about purchasing, whether that be the toilet paper we use from Who Gives a Crap, yeah. our beauty products from Conserving Beauty. Like we have our own compost bin. Like all of those things are like my obvious kind of quick wins. My mid to longer term goals are things that um, my medium term one actually at the moment is I'm trying to change my super fund from the crappy super You're speaking our well, language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The crappy super fund that I was given to when I was working like my you know yeah. my my million jobs when I was like 15. You know those things that you just never even think about? Yeah. Cuz why don't we talk about this in schools, guys? I I'll just tell you anyway, yep, this is why we right? do the podcast. <laughs> and two of my impact investors, one of them's invested in Future Super, the other one's invested in Verve. Yeah. Both brilliant super funds. So I'm going through the process at the moment and just that's my medium 
goal at the moment, changing to do that. And my long-term goal is um, we downsized to sharing a car, my, my fiancé and I, because it was ridiculous having two cars. Who needs that many cars on the road? Mm. And so we downsized to one car and we share a car we share and commute together. But we're obviously, we would love to have an electric vehicle. However, it is a privilege to have those things and the financial commitment to be able to do it. So we've got a separate savings account that we're trying to save up to do at the moment. So that's kind of my longer term goal. But like I make choices all the time and I think about it as very much a journey because not everybody's got accessibility to do everything. And there sometimes it is a little bit more expensive to make these choices. Um, sure. And also normalise outfit repeating. Can we yeah. please normalise oh, outfit repeating? Up shopping. I'm so yeah. into it again. I wear the same four outfits. If you see me at the office and you're like, that again? Yes. Normalise outfit repeating. Just I wear buy the black. Same. Just buy I black have one and wear dress it. I wear to every <laughs> award show. And that is the like dress I'm wearing to every award show what? I go to. And I don't care. Like that is what it is. Well, you mentioned that you and your partner are sharing your commute and I can tell you now he's going to be outside pretty soon to pick you up. You've had enough of me. I'm getting the hint. I'm getting the hint. But I have one final question for you. Yes. I want you to imagine we're sitting here in 10 years' time and we're saying, you know what, this has just been such a great, successful 10 years for conserving beauty. Oh, guys, now I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) You're sitting in your electric vehicle. I'm sitting in my final. What a good 10 years that was. <laughs> Perfect. I got there. What does that look like other than maybe Ooh. the electric vehicle? <laughs> so many things. I will feel so proud to have A, people have come up to me when they say, you know, you've you've helped my skin and I've seen results and I've noticed an immediate impact. So, like, I'll feel good if I've built a loyal community that people mm. actually love and use our products. Of course, I will feel even more proud knowing that I've saved thousands of tonnes of water and sequestered carbon and prevented endless waste. I will be I will be thrilled knowing that nobody uses conventional wipes anymore and that, of course, they dissolve. And what do you mean? You lived in a time where wipes didn't yeah. dissolve and sheet masks. Oh, isn't that cool? Yeah. Think? Like, I can't believe you guys used to do that. That's so embarrassing. That will be great. <laughs> um, but actually, I feel like one other thing that I think about all the time is I've been so lucky to hire four amazing people and I often say to them, I know that they're not going to be with me forever, not because I don't want them to be. I actually don't want any of them to ever leave me. But, you know, they'll want to go and create their own things. I feel like two of them are destined to have their own businesses one day. Um, One has a beautiful family. I'm sure she'll want to do something else. And so I'll be really proud knowing that Conserving Beauty played a part in their life and taught them on to, like, the next thing that they're going to do. That's so Because, well, it's true because I think about all the people who have helped me along the way and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without their huge impact and support. So I'm really hoping that Conserving Beauty continues to be a place for people to have an amazing career and to be a springboard onto their next thing or, or stay with us, stay with us for 10 years. Um, <laughs> obviously, and they're like, okay, yeah, she's they're like, she wants to like, No, I don't. Please stay with us. But, you know, and I just feel like I'll be really proud because so much of startup culture is rooted in burnout and exhaustion and you hear all these stories, probably more in the tech space or in the US of like, mm. you know, growing too quickly and then layoffs and not thinking things through about people. And I'm like, how can you not think about the people in your team? I would never hire someone without feeling pretty confident that I'll be able to support support them them financially. Like I would never want to be that business that's going through 
a million redundancies and, you know, oh, great, we've just signed two more retailers. Let's hire four people. Oh, wait, we don't need them because Mm. that was, you know, overkill. And so I just will be proud if I've grown the business in a sustainable way where nobody's really had that burnout and it's a positive place to work. Well, just let us know when you want to start acquiring. That's great. And Maddie and I <laughs> will be yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> can be advisory. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> hey, I'm always, I take any advice I can get. I'm always on the advisory hunt. Well, Tass, it's actually been an honour and a privilege Thanks. to speak with you. It's been such a fun conversation and a lot of insights that a lot of people will be able to take away. Thank you. So anything you want to plug before plug, you go? Plug, plug. Instagram. To, you got a great Instagram. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. Thank you. And a great TikTok. I, I can't even say thank you because it's not even me. It's yeah. my team. I'm like, thank you on behalf of my team. Thank you for that feedback. Um, no, if anything, I would just be so honoured if anyone ever bought or tried or used our products so or we'll followed do, us or liked us. We can do us. an initial um, product review. <laughs> yeah, actually, I. wait, guys, I will give you product in trade a review. Even if it's a bad review, I don't care. I just want a... <laughs> I just want a like, oh, this is kind of not good. No, Can I'm <laughs> No, I'm kidding. You're going to love it. I'm kidding. No. Um, the only other thing I will say is we're doing a big launch into the UK in May, which I'm really proud Ooh, of. Ooh, yeah. exciting. Very exciting. Congrats. We're launching into a brick-and-water retailer, which... It's kind of like the mecca of the UK, so I'm very excited. Well, watch this space. Watch this space. We'll update the audience as you you launch. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very honoured. Thank you very much. Thank you. Please join us on TikTok. You can get snippets of today's episode, the video version, (laughs) at YRGC Podcast. Also on Instagram at YRGC Podcast. And we would love to hear your thoughts. So please DM us, join us in our Facebook group, YRGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. One and a half thousand people in there now. Nice. Wild. Share with a friend as well. And otherwise you'll be hearing from us next week. Catch you then. Bye. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 5406. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.